I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words DraftKings podcast. I am joined, as ever, by my co-host Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom. Uh, that was a tough one last week with Lucas Glover, who we've bet every week for the past five or six weeks, winning right in our face. Yeah. Um, fuck Lucas. Like, <laughs> uh, like, I love. I actually really like the guy, and uh, yeah, we, we spoke about this, and I'm actually pretty happy for him. But from just a completely betting perspective, like, I hate him right now. Um, yeah. Where was that like three or four weeks ago when he had the opportunity to do it and just folded on Sunday? And then all of a sudden I've got three players in contention and he turns into Superman. Like, we're just, what's going on? It helps when you're going against Russell Henley, who's just allergic to winning. But this blood, when, like, because obviously we had, we had a, you know, a conversation about Billy Horshaw last week and he was the 54 hole leader. And you think, okay, well, you feel pretty good when he's surrounded by Glover and Henley and he turns out to be the worst. Like, I could imagine his game not holding up if he was against Scott, Larry, Thomas, or whatever, like one of the favourites. But when it was when it was those two guys, I really thought he put in a better performance. Yeah, I told you you couldn't win. <laughs> yeah, you did. I mean, it, it, it sailed close to the sun, but, like, he was... Um, yeah, like, his putting was bad on Sunday, which is actually weird considering how well he putted throughout the week, but... He just didn't. I say his passing was bad. He didn't really hit it close enough. But like he had like multiple sort of 15 foot birdie putts that he kind of never really gave a chance. So it's pretty disappointing. Yeah, no, it was a good bet. I was I was definitely um, sweating the fact that I said he he couldn't do it and he did. So uh, I'm glad he didn't. Um, not for your sake, but for my own. But I um either way, 70 to one, whatever it was, is a good bet. He played well. Uh, I don't know. And he he turned out to be probably a decent DraftKings play, right? Like we said, it was a bit risk rewardy and quite dangerous, but. Paid it off in the end. Yeah, absolutely. What? I don't want to go too much in about the new schedule and stuff. I think there's another podcast. But what do you th- do you care about this one two five down to seventy for this week? Does it bother you in any way? Yeah, it does bother me as a as a viewer and a better and a DFS player. It bothers me big time. Um, I so I had this argument on Twitter a little bit where the product 125 with a cut on a, on a playoff event or this event, it's really the last good event of the year. Now that you took that away from me, I don't, I don't think the event is very good at all. Um, I do understand from a perspective of there definitely aren't more than 70 players who deserve to make the postseason. That part I think is true because there are guys here still who really haven't done much this year. So 125, you get guys who have done nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, like, the bottom player in the salary this week is Matthew Neesmith, who I can't even remember how he's managed to get himself into this field. Like, he's got to be back at, like, the Bermuda or something. He's pretty finished second. But, like, he's been pretty atrocious for most of the season or just middling on. And Mackenzie Hughes has lost it after a good start to the season. Like, Hayden Buckley, like, he's disappeared, right? Like, the, these these players don't really deserve to be there. And, I'm, and I don't think the players that missed out, the the Lowry's, the Thomas's, the Scott's, Horschel's or whatever did because they left it too late, right? But the trouble you've got is that you take out 55 players that, that kind of fit that mould of, well, they weren't really good enough, but then you take away the chance for, as we've seen, four or five elite players typically that could make it interesting. Like Billy Horschel could have got on a run this week again. Yeah. Like, and I don't, you know, it's not, I love Billy Horschel and I wanted to do that. But if you take Thomas Horschel, Scott, 
Lowry out, I mean, I don't think Lowry's that type of player, but like those three players are definitely people that could win one, go and win again, and, and really shake up the kind of standings. Whereas Sam Ryder, Taylor Montgomery, they're not going to affect the, the outcome of the FedEx Cup playoff. So, in addition weird. to the 20 live players that left, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it, it sucks. I, I don't like. I don't mind it being reduced to 70, but you're not going to get... It's not having the outcome they hoped, which is 70 great players. No, no, not at all. Like, they hoped it would be 70 players. And what they should have done, they've obviously weighted the, the events wrong um, because players shouldn't be here that just played so well at the opposite field events. Um, I get giving them cards and security and that, but they're taking that away now because unless you're in the top 50 of the standings this year, you're not getting into half the events next year anyway. So... In in the sense that the BMW should be more interesting because there's players that need to get into the top 50 to to get in all the events next year, right? Right. So I saw that um, I was on a flight, so I was trying to like figure out exactly what was happening. But I so I know the top 50 get in, but didn't they, they said there's another pathway to get in. So what is that? It's, it's like the top 50, and then this fall season, which is October to December or whatever, which is like the Shriners and Force and all that sort of stuff, is the leading 10 players from that can then get into X amount of events at the start of the season. And then five players from the events leading up to the first event that requires it. So the century require that like the leading five players from those events get into it as well. I don't really a hundred percent understand it, but it's like, there's a way for 15 other players to get in. So there'll be like a fall season standing. Yeah. So, so it's basically a full season, but they're saying it. So what I didn't like is they called it a calendar year season. But it's not because it finishes in September, like it always has done for the last however many years, 2007. And then instead of it being a wraparound season, they're just calling that October to November, December time as basically nothing. It's just a way to try and get into the events for people who haven't made it. And I think basically the idea is that the players can, that are already in the top 50 can play in those events, but they can't secure points for the FedEx Cup. I think that's basically, so they're playing no just can, for money. Yeah. And no one can get FedEx. Even the people who are trying to make it, they just get a separate series of points that could get them in. Yeah, right. That makes so, it a little more interesting, though. Well, yeah, but, but I, th- I think what I would what I would want in an ideal world is it like it is a calendar year and it is just January to November and those events counts and the playoffs are in. I, I get why they don't want the November playoffs because it's NFL, NBA, or whatever. But like, put your product like, products against those. Like the people that watch golf for that time of year are the people who want to bet in anyway, so they're going to watch that. The people got two TVs. Like, what? Like, yeah. what? They gonna not watch that in the NFL? Like, don't worry about it. Just, just go with it. Um, so, a little bit of frustration there, I think. And I think that they're gonna, they're gonna be. Cons- I mean, I don't know what. There's obviously other different entry requirements. So I think people were saying that like Justin Thomas will get into these events next year because he's a major winner. But I don't really get that. Like, as far as I thought, it was clear cut. There was the top fifty, and then you play your way in. So. I don't know. But it would be nice if, like, so now JT's playing all these fall events to try to get himself in. That would be yeah, cool. like, it's good for that. Like, it's good for those events, right? And it's good, that, like, for, for the Ryder Cup basis, like, JT's only real chance now to go over to Europe and play a couple of events. So that boosts the DP World Tour, right? So uh, there's different fallouts from it that I do enjoy, but, like, it's it's just not done what they wanted it to do. And then they've, what have they got? Like, three of the eight events have a cut. So, like, eight designated events and three of them have a cut. The rest of them don't have a cut. Like, it's... It just doesn't work. I guess that means that so, and I haven't really read this probably, Matt, so you might be able to better tell me. So 
there's those eight designated events which are called something different now. What are they called now? I think they're called um um not elevated uh elevated because they've had elevated designated and now they're on their third iteration already. But whatever it is, it, yeah. they've changed it to a special event, right? So there's there's those eight events, which is fine. Three of them Sign- have a cut. Signature event. Signature events, right? So three of them have a cut. Does that mean that all the other events throughout the year have a cut? All the normal events that aren't signature, yes. So Phoenix, Honda, yes, or, yeah, yeah. or like Bay or whatever, like those all have it. But so I guess that's okay. I don't I don't necessarily hate it then. But but even the um even the ones that do like the three signature events that do have one, like so API, Memorial and whatever, have a cut, but it's only eighty to fifty. Yeah. But all they're doing is They've got rid of WGCs, but they're just bringing them back in a different form. Yeah, I, I hate the schedule, and I've I've said this before, but I have to just say it again. Like, so people were very upset about the live people going because they're so greedy. But in return, and I use Rory as a scapegoat here, and because he decided he was he was himself, in my opinion. But so Rory goes to Jay and puts a, a gun to his head, proverbially, and says, "Okay, they got all this money from joining Live." Now we're going to make more money and you're going to raise these purses to an amount that's unsustainable for the long term. And therefore now the PJ tour had to get the Saudi PIF fund involved to make, to keep up with the demands that you're giving. So don't hate these live guys who left because they're greedy for money. These other guys want the same amount of money. They just want it on their own terms. But but this is what it was always going to be like. and, And again, this is probably another podcast, but like, it looks fine for Roy McIlroy because he's getting the money from what they consider to be the PGA Tour, right? But ultimately, it's all going to come back from the same place because that's the only way they can secure the funding. So, yes, okay, Roy McIlroy was great, outspoken against Liv, whatever. If, if you if you agree with that, obviously we our opinions are different. But like, it it's just ridiculous that ultimately, like you say, it, it's just it's just Roy McIlroy all over. Like he. he he wants to be the face of it. Then he gets fed up for being the face of it. He doesn't want to be on live, but he wants the money the live players are getting. Like he's still saying, I wouldn't play on live. If it was the last place on earth. Like, All right. You'll take the money from the PAF. But, yeah. The, who cares? Like it doesn't, Rory, I don't care what you say anymore because it's, it's literally irrelevant because you've now signed, you've now approved the deal with PIF, which apparently he didn't, but like, he's still going to play with it. The domino effect of his words in actions have created the scenario where the PJ tour had no choice, but to take that money. The, the, the only way that this worked out in the way that they were kind of describing it in the sense of like, we're better. We didn't take the money. We didn't go is that you play for the kind of purses they played for two or three years ago. Yeah. And you stayed there and you said, it's not about the money, but you didn't, you said we should be compensated for not going. This is what we should do to keep everyone from not going. And this is what's going to have to happen to make that happen. So it's it's ridiculous. Anyway, it, it is what it is. Um, and then all that happens is a knock-on effect of the FedEx Cup players, which really no one actually cares about. Like, they've got to learn that no one that watches golf cares about how much money people win. No, you don't. Because, because they don't. Like, I don't know. I had to double-check again how much the tour, like the actual overall FedEx Cup winner wins this year. And it's like 18 million. I mean, yeah. When it was 10, and that was the first time it was 10, it was pretty cool. Like, because you're like, okay, well, these people want to be the first people to win 10 million. These people are at the start of their careers, they could really do with 10 million. 
it doesn't matter whether Roy McIlwain's three million or eighteen million on on uh, Eastlake. It, it literally has irrelevant. So that no longer matters. Like when they say, oh, the PGA was the richest prize in golf, whatever it was two or three years ago. Uh, probably longer than that now. Like it might have been like Jason Dazier or whatever. But like, it just doesn't matter. No one cares. Like it only really matters at the level of like Challenge Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, Women's Golf, where you go, okay, well actually this is a record-breaking purse because that can change careers. It doesn't change careers at the PGA Tour level. Um, DP World Tour it does a little bit because you've got guys that can't make PGA Tour money. Um, but when you're the leading tour and you keep pointing out that you're the leading tour, you don't need to try and make people care by adding money to the pot. The only people you're, you're satisfying are the people that want to hold you against your will, I guess. Right. And the same thing with Liv. I don't care how much money they, they make when they win. That doesn't like I don't like when announcers say that. Not that I even watch really, but and I've I've been outspoken about I hate no cut events and I don't like smaller fields and that's why I don't really watch live, um and I don't really enjoy the the live product uh because so, I don't like that and now that it's gonna happen to the PGA Tour, I don't like it there either. But I think I think oh no, I don't, I don't really know because I don't watch it week in week out. I don't really watch it at all on on TV. I mean I went to the event in person and there wasn't really this this feel about prize money at the tournament. It was, they definitely lent into the team atmosphere, the team event that people don't like. And I actually really enjoyed that. As I said, probably when I come on here last, like I enjoyed watching, you know, Peter Uline and Pat Perez birdie their last holes to give them a chance of winning if, if Cam Smith bogeyed. Like I quite enjoyed that. Um, whether I would enjoy it if it wasn't someone that I was following, if it wasn't just the first time I saw it, possibly not. Like I may just, the novelty might wear off, but I think that's the same with anything. Like the novelty of the FedEx Cup player wore off three or four years ago. Like everything becomes stagnant. That's just mm-hmm. what life is. And if it's not the NFL that's only got 17 games, who keep just adding one game a season, if it's not basketball that has X amount of you know games and then the playoffs, like people only really care about playoffs in those types of sports. So that's why people only really care about majors in golf. It's the same thing. Um, yeah. no one cares about the group stages in soccer or, or World Cup other than to get you out and get into the knockout stuff like it's it's ridiculous so so this expectation of just chucking money at it is going to make it a better product it isn't the product is getting worse um, we've just kept the players because you're chucking money at it so I guess it's a success in that department that the players are staying but at what cost I guess yeah oh, yeah completely that's like, I mean that's a big story of this it needs to change needs to be fixed we got Ryder Cup implications here. Just a, um, it's an interesting time in golf right now, and I think the least interesting thing about it is this tournament that's happening right now. But. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, that, so this is the other thing. Like, like we will get onto this tournament, as I said, we won't talk about it. But like the Ryder Cup, for example, like the the points are over in a couple of weeks' time. The decisions for the Ryder Cup, the European Ryder Cup team, will be made the week before Wentworth and the Irish Open. What like? Why, why are you having your biggest events after yeah, so you're having your two biggest events between the last event that counts and the Ryder Cup? Like what does that do? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Those players are not gonna to want to use all their best golf up before the Ryder Cup. So you're probably not gonna get Rory at Wentworth. Well, I think he is playing there, but like I don't know. Like I don't know. You're not gonna get Rory at hundred percent, I don't think. So he's gonna be thinking about the Ryder Cup. Um Good Kiradesh can win then. Yeah. Well, not by what I saw when I went there. But like, <laughs> um, anyway, FedEx and Jude Championship, Matt. I think this is one of those ones that we're definitely doing for 
um, consistency purposes. It, you know, we, we've got three events left of the season. We should run through it. We've been here for the last however many events, but it's tough. It's tough to get excited about this one. It's weird. It's 70 players. And weirdly with this one as well, this is an event or a course that's hosted this event in several different iterations. I used to just host, host of FedEx and Duke Classic, which is a regular PGA Tour event, which I actually really enjoyed. Then it became a WGC 2019, 2020, 2021. And then 2022 is the first time of, of the playoffs. Does any of that check? Like, do you put any more substance in the WGC in the playoff results than you do years prior? Or does it not really bother you? Um, I think I, I take I definitely take that into account because it seems like it, it does produce a similar type of winner all the time. And uh, I think the best way to look at this is the players who win here, it's been iron play, iron play, iron play, iron play. That's really all it's been um, for the most part. And there's been no real, uh, I think on tour, this is the place where the most strokes gained are, are on approach. Um, there's trouble. So you definitely can't drive it crazy, but you know, all over the place, but you know, look at Zalatoris on this. I think both of us were on that one last year, right? I don't think I was. I think it was the one time. I'd, maybe, or maybe well, I can't remember now. Like I bet him for too many times. Then you get answer, right? Nothing special off the tee. Iron player. JT, best iron player. Brooks was always great here. Um, so another thing, I think I'm going to get to in a sec, though. But then you had DJ Burger, Burger, Iron Guy, Iron Guy. The big thing here too is you look at that. To me, it seems like there's a Florida connection. These guys who play well in Florida on Bermuda, like Brooks, great in Florida. DJ, great in Florida. Burger, Florida guy, Florida guy. Um, you know. Uh, JT's played with, with Valspar and um, Honda and all those events. So uh, Zalator's played API really well. So that's kind of the couple of connections that I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like Fabian Gomez even played uh, decently at like Honda and stuff a couple of years before. Like he'd won Sony was his other win, but I'm trying to think of maybe he played well for Florida. But what do Matt and it won't be the answer you think we're looking for because it's not a stat. What do Will Zalatoris, Abraham Anser, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Daniel Berger, Daniel Berger, and Fabian Gomez all have in common? Um, Apart from that, they've won here. They all have an A in their name. No, they're all not here this week. Uh, yeah, oh, that's very true. <laughs> like, we're literally none of the last eight winners of this at this golf course are in the field this week. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of these good it, players. That's got to be a record. I know. There's no. There's, well, there's one. There's one previous winner in the field. Yes. So there's one, pre- but, the, but like not we both go back them. to 2015. Yes, go back to 2013 for the winner that okay. we're talking about. So, so Zalatoris is injured. Abraham Anser lived. Justin Thomas injured. Brooks Koepka lived. Dustin Johnson lived. Daniel Berger injured. Fabian Gomez not good at golf anymore. So, you, you've not got any of those players. You said Justin Thomas injured. The correct word was sucks. Did I say Justin Thomas injured? Yeah, I, yeah. I meant to say just missing um yeah. yeah so there we go what do we do here do, do we have to take one of these top three Scheffler McElroy run I'm not I don't believe you have to but there is one of the three who I actually do like I would so there, there's two that I like I don't like Rory for this which which will come as no surprise to people that listen to this Scheffler deserves to be where he is, but I think Rahm, you take at a $1,000 discount. Exactly. Yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at. I think you can definitely play Rahm. I think he found something um, in the open, not because it wasn't just he was making pots. Like, it seemed like when he was making that run, he was looked like back at the peak of form. And we, we see this all the time, guys. 
reach the height of their career, wins the Masters, something. I've, that's what golf is, and it's been we've been spoiled, you know, with Tiger and the way Scotty's played this year. He never really took that dive back, but most golfers do, and so that him kind of peaks and valleys, and I think he's heading back into another valley right now, um, another peak, sorry, and um, I don't know, I could definitely see him winning this, but I, I'm going to play a decent amount of Rom here. Yeah, like his approach was great, and I think one of the things I've kind of thought about, and it's why I'm going to kind of Sam Burns a bit later on, but like none of the real top players had this kind of standout course form over one or the other. Like normally you come to like an event and you see like Rory at the Wells Fargo or, you know, Rahm at Memorial or whatever. Like they, they tend to have one of the elites has a standout thing, right? Like Scheffler was good at Phoenix, a match player, whatever. This one didn't feel like it other than you look at John Rahm and he was fifth here last year when Rory and Scheffler both missed the cut. Right. And that's what I thought gave him the edge. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it, it just seems like he really likes this course where the other guys hit or miss. Uh, and I think also, I mean, Jason made a good point when we talked about the pocket. Like, they don't really need to be here. Like, they could skip this event because they're into East Lake anyway. So, especially for the top three guys, like Rory, you could argue, wants to close the gap between him and Scheffler and Rahm. But, like, the other two don't really have anything to play for. They might as well just rest up if they wanted to. They obviously want to play themselves into form, and Scheffler wants to get a win after going kind of winless for a little while. But, like, there's not really any motivation other than that. Right. I'd say this is a, this is the last event where a non-super elite player can win. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, so if, we've, if we're going with Rahm, that opens up what we can do in this next range a little bit. So Victor Hovland, 10-2, Xander Schofle, 10, Cantlay, 9-8, Hatton, 9-7, Fowler, 9-5, Spieth, 9-3, Fleetwood 9-1, Morikawa 9. I get the impression that Morikawa is going to be pretty popular just from what I've been reading on Twitter and things and bets and things like that. I think potentially similar um, with Hatton as well. Maybe not so much, but I think it's Fleetwood for me out of this group. Absolutely. Um, And right now it looks like Hatton is even a little bit more popular than Morikawa. Both those guys are going to be popular. It's Fleetwood for me big time. Um, I think we've seen... Ricky breakthrough and get his win. Day uh, did it. Who else did it? Someone else um, who just seems to have been playing well enough and they keep beating at the door and beating at the door. And Tommy's had, I mean, I I think it's the best season of his career, right? It's got to be close. like On the PGA Tour. Yeah, like consistency-wise, yeah, definitely. I mean, but he's he's in the top, his, his results are insane. I mean, he's in the top 10 or the top five almost every single event. His last... His last five, second, fifth, missed the cut of the Travelers, sixth, tenth. Uh, before but that, you, you go back to the Valspar. Valspar in March, he was third. Masters, 33rd. He's not a great Augusta guy. 15th for the Heritage, fifth for the Wells Fargo, 18th for the PGA, misses a cut at Charles Schwab, second at the Canadian Open, should have won, fifth at the US Open, great final round, missed that cut, and then sixth and tenth for the last two. I was bitterly disappointed as a sports fan and as a Tommy Fleetwood fan of some you know, level that he was so bad over the weekend in terms of his putter. But I just think that open championship means too much to him and it just gets in his way. And when he hasn't got it, he just gets, you can just see it like mentally he was so drained. Whereas I think he's just like, he's gone back. He's working with Butch. He saw him again just before this week. I think he's just in the perfect position to win on the PGA Tour for the first time. And I think this is the right event for it. Yeah, totally agree. And I kind of look back at his history at this course and it was interesting 
the year when he was having a great year and arriving in good form, he played well. And then when he was not in the best form, he would play mediocre. So the two times he played well here. So 2019, he finished fourth. His lead in form there was the 13th of the 13th of the Travelers, second at the Open. So he was in great form, came here, finished fourth. 2018, he finished 14th here. That was his second best start at this course. And the previous four starts were seventh, second, 12th. So I think, sixth. was that 14th on this course or was it the other event? Correct. It was the other event. Like it was it, on this course, but the other event, yeah. Oh, it was, it was on this course. I yes, don't, yeah. I, don't, I didn't think he played this course in 2018. Was it not just like the other playoff event, like the Northern Trust or whatever? No, no, no. It was um, in 2018. He did this at the. Let me see. So you played that Century Classic, is what you're saying? Yeah. 20, 2018, he finished 14th here, and it was the WGC St. Jude. Gotcha. I thought. Yeah, I thought. Maybe I could be wrong on that. I'm just looking at what I've got. So either I've got it wrong. Like, yeah, I don't think he did. 2018. Okay. Yeah, it could be wrong. But anyway. But your point still stands that the fourth came off good form and then he's not been playing great coming in. He's been 35th and 46th since. And I think yeah. I think overall, like not to detract from your point, Matt, like overall the point is that this is a great course for I think anyone that's in good form. Like I think it's just a course that is gettable for most people. And if you're here hitting your irons and wedges well, you can take advantage of it. It's a perfect course for Fleetwood. I look at it and Matt Patrick's been great here in three or four starts, fourth, sixth and fifth. I think... That bodes well for someone like Fleetwood. Yeah, and I think yeah, main point here is some if you come into this place in form, it's a great course for you because you have to be playing I think well to to contend here because there is trouble. There is a lot of trouble. I mean, it's not incredibly long and off the tee really isn't that important. But if you're if you don't have your game, it's not a good place to find it. No, exactly. I agree with that, and I, th- I think it's just it just presents a great opportunity for people that are playing well. Um, and and Fleetwood is. Who else would you go like? I don't, I'm just not. I'm done with the kind of Xander uh, Cantlay trying to figure that out. Like, uh, if they win, they win. I, I guess Hovland's interesting at ten two. Yeah, not for me. I'm not. I just. I'm not feeling it. No. I suppose if you're playing Ram, you want to do that. Is is the next thing. What about Ricky? In theory, it should be a pretty good fit for him. He's actually going to be seeming like he's going to be pretty popular. His best finish here was what fifteenth. Yeah, 15th here in 2020, right? Which is interesting because he probably wasn't in great form then. He was actually second at the halfway mark, third going into the final round, uh, and then finished 15th. And then last year, he opened up with 65 before finishing 64th. So go back to the St. Jude Classic in 2014, he was 13th. So it is a good golf course for him. Um, But in terms of just overall popularity, I think I'd rather just go away and click Fleetwood, I think. Me too. And I do think that we're going to have to find some ways to differentiate ourselves here because it does seem like the kind of group think has taken over a lot this week. Yeah, no, I agree with that. What, what do you make a day? That, yeah, that's, that was going to be my point. Um, I think it could be a good spot to pivot on to him. Is, is he low? Is he going to be low owned? Yeah. So I don't get that. I don't get like when he shows that he was second in an open championship, which he's never really plays well outside of St. Andrews. And then you look at the fact that he was sixth here in 2020 again, I think he had those couple of decent events in 2020, but it wasn't a great year for him. Um, I think that's a good sign for Jason Day. And I think it's probably the play that you go to over the Fowler, because I think it's a similar it's a similar thing that they've both got their wins that they were looking for after a sustained period of time of contending. 
then they've kind of gone away a little bit and then they've kind of shown their life again and I'm just looking actually Day was in decent form but it was at those two it was at the two memorial events where he'd finished seventh and fourth right so he was bound to play well there um so yeah I I, I like it I like it I like it as a pivot but my I, I am I think it's risky my concern is it's almost like the Cameron Young when he played great at the open then everyone wanted to bet him when he like yeah it could just be it worries me because he was so bad before the open and it yeah. was one start. Yeah, and his irons were so bad, like really bad at the US Open, really bad at the Travelers. Like, I mean, look, I I gave up on Jason Day. Like when people were asking me about like him for the Open Championship, I said, well, one, he hasn't got great Open history outside of St Andrews, and two, he's not playing well. And it would be strange for me to go full pivot, but like, it just strikes me he's a type of confidence player that can just find something from that tee to and, and come in. So I do think he's an interesting player. So I think he's priced above guys like Homer and Fina that people are going to want to go to instead. And you've got someone like Fitzpatrick with a good course history at 86. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. People are like seem to like Wyndham Clark. Um, I think that's a thing now. Like People think it's like a – and I'm not saying this is wrong, but I think people think it's now a smart play to play Wyndham Clark because people, they're going against the Wyndham Clark can't win three times in a season crowd, and they think that's clever because he's playing well. And I think it's probably right that he's not going to win three times. Yeah, definitely right. He's not going to win. I said that last time. I would rather just go to Harmon. Yeah, I mean, I don't want anything to do with Harmon either. But what's the ownership looking like between those two? Harmon's looking like about 13 or 14% and Clark, 17. So I'd much rather play Harmon. Oh, I would definitely rather play Harmon, but I don't want to play either of them. No, I get that. But like third and sixth of this golf course and it wasn't like the open championship just came out of nowhere like he was he's in a sustained period of form for the whole season so i i he strikes me as a type of he looks like he's got a real chip on his shoulder about the way he was treated at the open and i feel like he just wants to stick it down people's throats so he's actually really good and in really good form so i could see him having a week here like he was third here last year tied with glover so you've got two of the most recent players well you've got three you've got you've got the three recent winners in glover Harmon, and Stracker that finished second third and third here I just think some way you've got to figure out who of those is going to repeat their success. Yeah, and especially with Clark too. Like if his his best skill sets are his driving and his putting. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that working here. Yeah. I just think it's mitigated. I mean, could he still play well? Yeah, same for Cam Young. Could he play well and have a great week with his irons and put everything to five feet? He could, but that's this course isn't best yeah. suited for what he, what he does best. Like, I mean, look, Clark was seventh going into the final round last year and, and performed pretty poorly on Sunday. And now he's a, a new player. I think that the thinking will be that he will improve more on Sunday. And I, and I agree with that. Like, it, like when you look at it and think the fact that he got better here, he basically opened 67, 67, 67 and improved every day. So his position-wise. So maybe he's a good player, but I, I don't see it. I mean, I'd, I'd rather still go with Harmon. Um, what about my guy, Max Homer? Yeah, he's not he's not popular. He's he's a relatively popular bet from what I've seen. So maybe there'll be some late steam on him. Like, but how do you get behind him when he's been fifty first, fifty second, fifty first, and forty second in limited fields here? I know. The only thing I would say is that he's been playing good at Scottish. He was twelfth and tenth at the Open. Gained strokes on approach. Um, The other thing is that. He's got that kind of top 10 in the major monkey off his back, and that suggests that he's kind of playing almost too well that he's getting out of his own way because of his form. So maybe that just leans into it as well as me. Right. 
Low ownership, yeah. I like it. I definitely like him over Phoenix. But I think the pivot, I would rather pivot today, like you. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Hideki, are we done with that experiment? No, I'm, I'm on it again. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> um, this pain end. It never for me. Have, I mean, have you have you looked like just look at it on data golf? Like just like there's no dark green squares since the players. I saw it. It's like the, the yellow squares on the Wikipedia page. Like 31st of the match plays, obviously like a group exit. 15th, 16th, 23rd, 29th, 16th, 1st, 2nd, 13th cut, 13th, 30th cut. What about that suggests that Matsuyama is gonna suddenly come good here? Okay, I'll give it to you. Give it. <laughs> Sounds serious. Ten of his eleven, ten of his last eleven starts, he's gained strokes with his irons. Yeah. Uh, I I think a lot of his trouble has been somewhat random. I mean, I watched this event on Friday, and he lost five point eight strokes around the green. He's one of the best around the green players in the world, and he lost five point eight strokes around the green. He hit a bunker shot, and he got completely plugged, and then it rolled back into his footprint and was buried underneath the sand, and he still had to hit it. Um. So I just think he got some bad luck there. And Wyndham, I never expected him to play that well anyway. I had, I did, had nothing to do with him last week. Um, but this is a course where he's been good. He lost here in a playoff. Um, I think off the tee, he's not as good as he used to be. So I think um, the approach you know, should, should be able to lead the way for him here. And he just, he's just a guy. You can't predict him. I mean, Asians, and I'm telling you, I, I try, I'm trying not to generalize a uh, population here, but Asians throw the stats out the window. Well, look, like I gave up on Tom Kim and and I'm fully back in this week. I don't know. I just don't get it. I mean, like I was I was trying I was going to try and count you like looking at his form and thinking he was going to be in great form coming in here last time and he he was 62nd, 26th, with <laughs> fourth at the Olympics and then second. And you'd think yeah. playing the Olympics comes with a ton of pressure based on being Japanese and he overcome that, finished fourth and then finished second. But then went cut 43rd, 46th, 26th. The 26th being in a 30-man field. So I, I'm fucking like, I suppose you can just play him based on the fact that he's 8-4 and he might just randomly finish second. But there's my point is there's there's nothing of substance. Yes, you can point to the fact that he's gained in approach in 10 of the last 11, but it's not led to anything. So it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Like most of the time you see players and you go, right, there's been an upturn in their iron plays, so they've suddenly started contending. That doesn't mean anything for Matsuyama. No, it doesn't. But all, that means the bad stuff doesn't mean anything either. No, I, I agree. I mean, I just, I just don't get him. I don't. He's the biggest enigma probably on tour. I love him, and I've been chasing this, this. Uh, what do you since, call that? A white since, elephant or something? Since we started this podcast in 2022. But yeah, right. um, look, I hope it works out for you. It's not going to work out for me because I won't be on him. Um, Sam yeah. Burns is going to be popular, but I think for good reason. Yeah, I bet him. I bet Sam Burns, um, like like everybody else. I wanted to avoid it just because I saw it seemed like it was going to be kind of the flavor of the week thing. But then looking at it, there really is no way to avoid it um, because he has the course history, uh, which you that you want to see here. He's starting to really round into form. He gained almost six strokes in approach last week. He's a great Bermuda grass putter. He does feel like he's the type of guy who. I know he won the match play, but I still think he ha- he hasn't really reached the expectations that he needs to reach this season. He still has one coming. He, he's not doing the major stuff. It's like Homer, isn't it? Same argument as Homer. Yeah. And he's got the Ryder Cup to play for. Like, there's plenty of reason for him to be good this week. Would you agree with this? There's three. There's a couple of players who I'm looking at who 
if they win, they're on the Ryder Cup team. And okay. if they don't win, they're not. I think Burns. Yeah. Young. Yeah. And Fina. And, but I, but I could see Fino being on it even yeah. if he does. Okay. But so those two, uh, I feel like they're playing in a situation where if they win, if they win, they're in. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I I don't I I I still think Cam Young's a little bit hit and miss anyway. Um, even with a win, but I guess they probably just want a reason to play him. But I think Burns, you if he wins, you have to go right. Okay, he's great at that. He's you know got a recent win, so put him in. Like I don't think there's a way of ignoring Sam Burns if he wins this close to it. Yeah, I mean if you want to go to the other side, Sepp Straka, he wins. He's in. Yeah, I mean, we'll take it on we can fucking get. Like Keegan, if he wins, he's in. If he doesn't, he's not. No, I think. he's not. No. Not in either way? Uh, With three wins and a playoff and an but, elevator? But I think, I think if they were going to play him, like if they were going to pick him based on his wins, he'd already be in. Yeah. So if Zach Johnson doesn't think he's in yet, I don't think a win now is going to change anything. Okay. I think he deserves to be in. But, is JT going to be in? Uh, Probably, but it's wrong. Oh man, I can't believe they're gonna do it. If they, whatever, I'll just root harder for the Europeans. <laughs> um, what do you reckon is the lowest price player that can win this week? It wouldn't shock me if Cam Davis won at seventy two hundred. Okay. I mean, I've got a real wild card at like six four. I don't think he can win, but I think he can play pretty well. I was just kind of thinking about build ahead of time, but. I think we're running into this kind of 7K range. I'm, I'm skipping Sanjay M unless you want to talk about him because I have nothing really to say, positive or negative. Um, so I think this is where we can make or break it. You've mentioned Keegan already. We've mentioned Henley earlier. Tom Kim, I love 7-8. I think people are going to be worried about his health. I think he's okay. I think if he can't go, he won't. He'll just pull out um, and you'll know about it ahead of time. I don't think he'll play hurt. Um, he basically said hopefully he can go. And he's been given the all clear. So I think he'll just pull out knowing that he, he can kind of miss the next two weeks. Um, so I like him at 7-8. I do like Stracker, but I don't really want to get involved in it because it's probably going to be a bit of an ownership that comes with it. So it comes to me, Benny Ann at 7-5 next for me. Okay. Yeah, and just to really piggyback on Stracker, I do like him. Um, but I'm worried about the ownership and I worry also the open was a flash in the pan because outside of that, he really hasn't been good at all. Yeah. Uh, and then the Tom Kim. Well, apart from his win, right? Yeah. Yeah. Apart from his win, obviously. Um, but after that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so Tom, my concern is this. Wyndham, he's going as a defending champ. Doesn't that mean something to these guys? But he, I, th- I think he genuinely wouldn't like he couldn't play. That, that means he's hurt as shit then, doesn't it? Yeah, but I think is isn't it not an injury that is going to be incredibly fucking painful for a week and then you'll be alright? I mean, maybe. I don't I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but it sounded like it was like an ankle sprain that you would be in your foot would be up for a week and you'd be in agony and then you'll be alright next week. That's how yeah. I think. And I'm just that's why I'm praying and hoping like you're on a plane that doesn't help things. Like I think you just had to take a week off on doctor's orders. Um and I think that if he's in that pain come Wednesday, he will just pull out. Yeah, that could be the case. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's probably worth a shot, but I'm a little concerned. You, so you like you like Ben on? Oh, I love Ben on. I, th- I, th- I think he's going back to the player that has almost won a couple of times on the PJ Tour. Um, 
he was 12th here in 2020, but he was second going into the final round. And we were waiting, or well, I was definitely waiting for him to kind of turn these 33rd, 14th, 24th, 24 finishes into something really positive. And he's gone third, 23rd, and second, with the 23rd being at the open, in the middle of the third at the Scottish and second last week. And what's really promising is it was all off the tee led for most part. But he was seventh for his iron last week. And I just think that's the difference. I think if he finds that and carries it into a course, as we've said, that if you're in good form, you can come in and be confident. I love it. Yeah. Is he playing Wentworth? Uh, if he's not, he should. Yeah, I could see him winning that. Yeah. Um, but I think he wins this first. Do you really? Well, I think he's got a great chance. I've bet on him to do it. Wow. I mean, I, I agree with all those things. He's playing great. Um my concern always for me is I don't know if I can just picture him actually getting over that line. So, so the only person I don't think is I would be interested in playing, and I'll completely write off here, is Siwoo, Rose, Mitchell, Taylor Moore, and Aaron Rye. So that means I will be playing some of Harris English, Emiliano Grillo, Cam Davis, JT Poston, Jaeger reluctantly, and Glover. Well, McCarthy. Uh, yes, McCarthy as well will play. I can see this being a decent bounce back spot for him. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it's a little bit in the Glover mold um, without potentially the win. But Jaeger, you just kind of have to consider because of the consistency, right? Although the only thing I would say is that, like you play Jaeger because he's going to get you for a cut and there's not a cut here. But well, on the other end of that, you play him because he makes a shitload of birdies and eagles. Yeah, true. Even though he makes mistakes, but he's getting four rounds. Um, makes bogeys too but he's tough to, yeah he's tough to trust uh but, but Dave, i think the biggest upside go you go first i was gonna say davis is probably my favorite in this low sevens he looks like gonna be less popular um i like grillo too but grill looks like he's gonna be he's getting a lot of ownership davis looks like he's going under the radar yeah. um concern is water and cam davis don't go good together and it's not a good golf course for him like even though he was 13th last year it was you know it was sort of a backdoor because he was 36th going in Sunday. So I do like him and I like the edge that you might get on him, but I prefer English at seven. Yeah. And I do want, I, I love English. I, he was my first bet of the week. Um, I, you've, I, you've been talking about betting and backing English on DraftKings for a long time now. Like, and yeah. I spoke about this on the show last night that people have been trying to sort of make English happen in majors and things like that. And you've, I don't think you necessarily do it in majors, but you've been on him in his regular events. And I just think this is, there's nothing more encouraging than coming back to a course that he's finished. He won on his debut when it was the Felix and Duke um, Classic. He was 10th uh, three or four years later with final round 65, opening round 67. And then he was a 54-hole leader at WGC in 2021 and then just finished fourth. Um, different when you've got Brooks Kepka chasing you down than, than others, right? Or, no, that may be the answer here, but... Um, I, I just love him, and I just think that we've seen his best irons for three or four events now. Um, takes into a course where he's got a bunch of confidence anyway. Um, bounced back from a really slow start last week to finish 33rd. I'm I'm all in on Harris English. Yeah, I genuinely believe he's going to win. He's my pick to win. Um, I, I think it's just a perfect spot for him. Obviously, he's won at the course, which makes sense. But the fact that he gained almost six strokes on approach last week is the biggest thing for me because he doesn't he do that. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. And he, and he, he putts it good in Bermuda. Um, I just think this is the last kind of place where his profile of golfer can win against these big dogs. Yeah, I agree. I just I just think he's 
it's the last one. I think like him and I put him and like Chris Kirk in the same sort of bubble, and Chris Kirk's not doing it at the moment, and maybe even Brendan Todd as well, who is doing it at the moment. So, but he's um, he's like them. He's 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 like Todd, but he has a bigger set of nuts. I I I like his. Um, I think he can perform in the clutch. Do you buy into anything about him being Brian Harmon's mate, and that being an inspiration? Yeah, it doesn't hurt. I don't think. Um, uh, I I would use it as a positive, but I wouldn't use it as a reason. Um, but on Todd, like he's in that mold as well, like a Georgia guy. He was the 54 hole leader here three years ago, and then finished 15th. He's playing yeah, well. I mean, which is probably 6,800. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, it's a great price. Which I mean, I'm assuming is going to lead to a bit of ownership. The second 49th, seventh of his last three starts, and the 49th thing in the Open, I. I like it. The off the tee game is not the only thing that really holds Brendan Todd back is his off the tee game, and that's not going to matter. Yeah, no, I like Todd a lot. He was great last week. Almost won the John Deere, but he, I mean, I, he was kind of really weird on Sunday, which makes me think he can't win. But um, definitely as a play at 6800. And last thing I want to say about English and another thing about this this schedule, I, I think it shows so much character of guys and who they're what they're made of when they're trying to make a cut on Friday and English had to make birdie in like three of his last four holes to make the cut. And I just think he has balls like the travelers playoff when he was draining putt after putt, clutch putt after clutch putt. But I think he's the type of guy who, if he gets there, he's going to be really, really tough to beat. Um, so that's why, that's why I really like him. It's almost again, similar to Harmon, right? Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, I think you can make a really good team with the people. So what about this? John Rahm, Tommy Fleetwood start. Mm-hmm. Sam Burns, third guy in. And English Todd. Yeah, I like that. How much, does it leave any money left over? 400 left. Can you go Can you go Davis, and, Davis instead of Todd? Yes, that's exactly what you can do. I like that better. Okay. Well, there you go. So there's, there's two options there with, I think, with really good lineups. I, and to be honest, look, like, I don't just want to end a call or a, a, a you know a podcast for the sake of ending it, but like these guys that are down here, I don't think other than Andrew Putnam, I think people need to look at because he's got incredible course form and is in steady form. Uh, I had that too. Um, Putnam's se- second, twenty fourth, and fifth, fifth being last year in this like in this structure. I, I think he's someone you do need to look at, but otherwise, I think you've just got to pick your guys down here if you get stuck. At this range, like I, I don't think there's anything me or you can say that will change people's opinions on playing Patrick Rogers, Nick Hardy, Adam Schenk, etc. In this format. Yeah, but I, I also think it's important to note that the mindset and the strategy in playing this week has to change, and I don't know if people are going to be able to grasp that fully. Um, making a, there's no making a cut. There's no a guy. You can, yeah, can you pay? Can you finish thirtieth? Anyone you play this week needs to be able to finish. You have to believe they can finish in the top ten. Yeah, you're looking for a guy to squeak through, and that's why, like, I think Putnam, because he's done it in two of his four starts, can finish in the top ten at 6400. I think, so and too. and he's shown it in decent. But like, I don't believe anyone else below him can do that. Like, well, I'm sure they can, but like, like I think the likes of Spence and Norman, who have been on in recent weeks, can do it. I think that Kitty Armour's got the upside to do it, Seamus Power, etc. But I don't have any reason this week to say they will do it. And that's why I hate no cut events. And it, especially on, there's nothing worse on no cut events than um, 
than drafting because that takes the biggest hit DFS playing because in order to win or make a lot of money this week, you got to hit the fucking nuts. Yeah, it's a tough week. And look, I struggle enough as it is to be game theory and stuff like that. So maybe this is a week where actually it's so straightforward. It, it helps me, I guess. But like it does make it does take away a lot of the gamership from it, I think. Um, let's round up our picks, Matt, unless you want to talk about anyone else in depth. I don't really have anything else to say. Um, no, last thing I'll just will say in my yeah. um my tap it in partner Blake to kind of sent something to me earlier that I wanted to mention the Zoysia fairways is, is I think a lot of guys play that really well. And I, I haven't really looked deeply into it as is much, that, but it's not like Riv. Yeah. So like, um, East that... Lake, um, so Bell Reeve, like, so Brooks is really great here and no, yeah. it really doesn't make that much sense because game wise, it doesn't seem like it'd be a, a great Brooks spot, but I think it's because of Zoysia fairways and we, we're talking about it also last year before Live Jetta, and right. that's that place is known the Royal uh, Royal Greens for its Georgia fairways. It's like it's a different type of grass that I I think people some people tend to love. So the guys who really love that, Hideki Burns always play well on Georgia, right? They're in a playoff here, um, and the other one English always plays well on Georgia, um, East Lake, right? And then Berger always plays well on Georgia. So I just think. If we can, I mean, I I just got that now, so I do think I want to look more into that, but I think that could be kind of a sneaky little angle. Well, look, it only benefits the people I've already picked, so it, it's a win for me. But if anyone can find someone that plays well on Soja grass, means like tour tips that you can search by grass type and things like that. So there's definitely ways to do it. Um, look for those guys. Good little nugget there to end the show, Matt. Let's summarize our picks. Favorite in the 10K and above, I'll go with John Rahm at 11 1. Yep, John Rahm for me. 9K, uh, and maybe go down to kind of like 8-7. It's Tommy Fleetwood for me at 9-1. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy's my favorite play on the play on the board, you know, him in English. Yeah, and Jason Day at 8-9, I guess, if we needed someone different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go from 8-6, so Matt Fitzpatrick, down to 7-6 with Corey Connors. Have a couple of guys from there. We kind of skip Fitz. Do you do you have any thoughts on him with how great yeah, he's not playing well enough? Okay, good. I I I'm worried like it's we're ignoring the obvious here. That was. Kind it, of my I mean, look if it if, if the obvious hits me in the face and it does, I just like there's something about Fitz that I can't get behind at the moment. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's right. I agree. Uh, Hideki's my favorite there. Interesting. I'm Sam Burns, um, but obviously that's going to be very popular. I do think that um, Harmon's an interesting kind of pivot for ownership reasons. Um, and, this, and, then, and then I guess we just want to pick our favourite in the seven and a favourite in a six. And my favourite in a seven is, um, it will be Harris English with you, but like Benny Ann at seven five for me would be the old name. Yeah, I like um, I like Cam Davis and Harris English. Yeah. And then in the six Ks, I think Brendan Todd at six eight has to be looked at. I think it's Andrew Putnam at six four. I, I have three guys checked here in the sixes. Those are two of them, Todd. The third one is Smalley. I know he can't win it or anything, and p- people are pissed. I think people are going to go away from him. His yeah. approach numbers are still great. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's right. Um, That'll be a good course for him. The other person I just I just randomly think could just have a good week because he seems to turn up when you don't really expect it is Nick Taylor. It's 6,200. But there's nothing like his course form is 30th, 35th miscut, and 
he's not like out I mean he was 19th at the Scottish Open he's he struggled relatively since his Canadian Open win but he just strikes me as someone that can just pop out of nowhere and do it so um, that's of interest how about uh, Seamus Power yeah fuck this. no no like he I think the minute he heard his name linked to the Ryder Cup he's basically changed as a golfer um, yeah he shit the bed 13th at the Dia though yeah that was the John Deere yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thirty for the John Deere, but uh, sixty-eight for the Travellers to miss the cut, miss the cut of the Scottish Open, miss the cut of the Open Championship, miss the cut of the US Open, forty-first of the Memorial, miss the cut of PGA. Like any event that's mattered, he's missed the cut. Even Heritage players, he made the cut of the Masters, which is one of the easiest cuts to make all year, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, last question for you: If you had to bet Morikawa or Hatton, who do you think has a better chance to win? Hatton. Yeah. Okay. Are you more accounting? No. Uh, that's that's kind of where I'm deciding for my last bet. Uh, I mean, more makes the most sense based on core stuff, but I just believe Hatton still do a win and he will get it at some point. And there's only three events left. So. And the course does seem, even though he had, the history isn't great, the course, it does seem like it's a It should be a perfect goal course for him. Like, it, that's the worrying thing is it should be perfect for him and it hasn't been. So... But this is the best he's ever been coming into this event. So this you, you get the Florida connection too. It, um, if he doesn't finish in the top 10 this year, then I probably will never look at him for this golf event. Yeah, okay. yeah we'll, we'll find out if he likes this golf course this week, right? Yeah, that's my feeling on him. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, cool. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm good on. I'm, uh, I'm happy with kind of the breakdown here. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's it's hard to get different this week. There's 70 players in the field. Everyone kind of really likes the same people, but hopefully we've given a couple of different players and, and some pivot points for people and ultimately just given substance to some of the picks that you just see names for on Twitter. And that's not a jab at anyone. Like, it's just, you know, it's different forums. I think last year we saw Zal Torres win here and definitely was pretty popular. Um, I think... It, it, I feel like Burns is that guy that Burns remember. Burns is Zalatoris over again, but yeah. he's not looking for his first win, so it's slightly different. Right, but just the form, the popularity, the way he's kind of trending, the course fit. I just think it's um we could have another maybe a community win on Burns. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Like it's a nice way to end the season. I'd, I'd love Benny Ann to get his first PJ Tour win. I think he's he's doing it, and he's had a couple of near misses with um the Zurich and the Memorial, so why not? Yeah, that'd be amazing. Cool. Matt, thank you as ever. Always enjoy talking to you about golf, even in the events where we care the least. Um, Absolutely. Take care, bud, and let's hope that we have a good week.